0: Now this morning, Lord willing, take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. I want to do something that I've never really done as far as a theme for the month of December. A Christmas theme. Uh, As a rule, uh, I'll only preach one message on Christmas and that'll be uh, this year on the 24th. But I'm going to preach a series of messages messages and I've titled them the story of Jesus. I thought it to be interesting. Uh, I, I, it, it was on my heart last year in preparation for this year and I believe that the Lord's going to allow me to do that. So today will be the first message in that series on telling the story of Jesus. I believe there to be no more powerful subjects than Jesus. Jesus and Him crucified. But His story has a beginning, and I would like to share that with you. And as we begin to go through our Bible, and I'm try to make it happen all in four weeks, and it comes into uh, its, to its final bloom on the 24th, that is the day we're doing the Christmas program, correct? We'll be doing a Christmas program, the youth. We'll be putting on a program, and then I'll bring the message that morning. That will be a salvation message. Of course, all of these will be geared that way. If you have family that might not come just for preaching, but they might come to see the children help me, that, and our youth in this church will help me deliver the gospel that morning. And I'm thankful for the ones that have come and wanted to participate and they want to uh, take part in helping their pastor bear the spiritual load of presenting the gospel message. Now, if you've got family, if you know someone that's not saved, uh, that would be the day to have them show up. There's two times a year that are most attended in church And that'll be Christmas, which is the biggest day of the year, and Easter. And I do not want to miss on an opportunity to share the gospel on those days because people are already coming expecting to hear about Jesus. And so this morning, tell me the story of Jesus, preacher. I love that song. It's been on my heart. Write on my heart every word Oh, if we could just get in touch with the Lord this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now we're going to have to start in verse 1. We're going to read down to about verse 15. And he says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast. Of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And here's my text for the day. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now for this time that we have set aside Lord, we, this is the first day of the week, and we want to give you our first. Lord, these people have come today, faithful, but they're hungry spiritually. Now help them and help me. Uh, Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Lord, let me be a tool that you're going to use today, a mouthpiece so that I can tell the story of Jesus the lovely Lord Jesus Christ's name, amen. See, this is a sad account here. God created the earth. And then here we have man and woman God placed in the garden. And up jumped this serpent. Now this serpent, the Bible says, is Satan. And you say, oh, preacher... Was it really a snake that come up there in the garden speaking to her? Ain't that what your Bible just said? Well, I heard Professor so-and-so say that the first 11 chapters of the Genesis is allegory. No, it's to be taken literally. You say, oh, I just don't believe that a snake could talk. I've never seen one. Of course not. He cursed it. It don't talk today. But it is an indication that these animals might have been able to talk because, he says, the serpent come in was talking to Eve. Not only did it not shock her, she was familiar enough with this creature that she began to carry conversation with this snake. I also believe that this snake... Didn't look like the snakes do today. This was probably a most beautiful creature. If you was to take your Bible and read over there in Ezekiel chapter 28 where he talks about Satan, Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth, said that he had been in the Garden of Eden, the garden of gems and jewels and it was beautiful and God had created in him pipes and tabrets. Very beautiful creature to look upon. I also believe that before the curse, because God said here in verse 15 that on his belly, in verse 14, that on the belly he should go, meaning and indicating that he walked or flew. Of course, we've seen pictures of snakes and flying serpents and they're in history. You say, where would they have gotten that? Oh, somebody was telling the story uh, to somebody else that happened here in the garden. But however you want to look at it, I'm going to stick to the word of God. And if that's what God says happened, that's what happened. I'm going to believe that. You say, well, that's old-fashioned. Well, you can call it what you want. I'm going to say, I believe God. And if God said that that was a snake that come walking or flying there in the garden and he was talking with Eve, then that's how it happened. And she was familiar with it. See, we, we are so smart today. We think we're looking at lions and we're, we're looking at the zebras and we're looking at the birds and we're looking at the snakes. like, well, I've never heard one talk. Yeah, that's after the curse. You weren't there before the curse. God was there before the curse. And God is telling you and showing you just a little glimpse of what this planet was like before sin got in it. And We see that. You know, we may not understand everything involved in the way of Satan and how he used the body of a serpent But we can know it was true. And it's no mere fable. You see, I believe that there was a real serpent as there was a real paradise, as there was a real Adam and a real Eve. And I believe that Eve took of that fruit that day and the Bible says gave to her husband who was with her. She didn't have to go run him down. He was right there. And they ate. And I believe that they really sinned. And I believe that our race, the race of man, is really fallen. Before I get in the message, I need to deal with this serpent a little bit. And we understand from our Bible there and 2 Corinthians 11 that Satan, the Bible says that Satan can transform He's a transformer. We're all familiar with that term. That's a very popular term today, a trans or a transformer. You watch those movies. And so we shouldn't uh, be shocked or overwhelmed when the Bible says that Satan is a transformer and he can transform into an angel of lights. We understand from our Bible that Satan entered into the body of Judas when he betrayed Christ. We also understand that when Christ was casting out the devils out of the maniac of Gadara, that they requested him to, be, to cast them into swine. So it is not a far stretch to know that devils can possess animals. Here's the point though. We must deal with this. There's a principle here. The devil's instruments must share in the devil's punishment. You see, this serpent was an instrument that was used by Satan. And we see that God passed a judgment on this instrument And he says, what does he say there? He says, because thou hast done this. He's talking to the serpent. And he's talking to the devil that's in the serpent. But he's going to curse the serpent. Thou art cursed above all cattle. Now why would he do that if he was already lower than all animal kingdom? He wasn't. He was above it. We could get a little deeper in the theology if you get into Ezekiel. Lucifer being one of the anointed cherubs that covered. And there's four other cherubs. Satan was the fifth cherub. And the other four cherubs, they each have four faces. And each one of those faces represents one of the animals in the animal kingdom. Like fish, you got lions, so on and so forth. But there's one missing. That's the reptile kingdom. It's been suggested that Satan is the cherub that represented the reptile kingdom. I do not think that it's a stretch because the Bible says in Revelation that Satan is a dragon, reptile, And here he uses a serpent as an instrument. But my point is, if you allow yourself to be used as an instrument for Satan, then you're going to bear the punishment that goes with the devil. When a man denies and rejects the Lord Jesus Christ and says, I'm not going to accept God's love. I'm not going to accept Jesus Christ and he allows himself to be used as a vessel of wickedness and to be used by the devil. You will share in the fates of Satan which is an eternity in the lake of fire. Man puts himself there, and God is clear to tell us in Matthew that he says hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to be there, but man goes there when he rejects Jesus and wants to be used as an instrument of unrighteousness by Satan. And I caution you this morning, if you allow yourself to be used as an instrument of unrighteousness, you will bear the punishment of Satan. It's important not to be used as an instrument of Satan. The Bible says to be vigilant and to be sober because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And now that we've covered this about this serpent and being used as an instrument of the devil and then having to share in the punishment, let's get to this message. As I said earlier, the song says, tell me the story of Jesus and write on my heart every word i believe there to be no greater story than the story of jesus which starts here in this verse in verse 15. maybe many people don't understand that that the story of jesus starts right here in verse 15. say preacher i didn't see the name jesus Well, we've got the completed revelation of the Word of God. And because we have that, we're able to see and go in time and see what God has done and that Jesus had come and we see the fulfillment of this prophecy. But it starts right here in the beginning. And of course, John tells us there in the verse 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he says that that Word, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, was the one who spoke the worlds into existence. And we see Christ here, but here we see a prophecy being delivered. This verse, verse 15 is known as the theological or in the theological realm as the first gospel message preached. With Jehovah as the preacher and the whole human race with Satan as the audience. You see, the whole human race, Adam and Eve, that's where it starts. Eve, her name means the mother of all living. And then, of course, Satan was there. He had to listen to the preaching that the Lord was doing here. And God says, because of this, because he questions Adam. And he even tells Adam, you shouldn't have listened to your wife. Now, men, don't you go out here. That preacher gave me Bible and not listen to my wife. Well, the Bible also says to some of these other men, he said, you should have listened to your wife. you need to work out your own salvation with fear and dribbling as for me and my house and while jenny still got a black iron skillet i listen especially if there's cornbread in it (laughs) so he asked adam he says why'd you do this and adam because men are blame shifters they are men shift the blame well it's that woman Men do that today, ladies. I didn't know if you knew that. Go to ask them a question like, well, I got to talk that over to my wife. Yeah. I already know the answer. You really don't want to. (laughs) I'm getting some of you guys in trouble. (laughs) Nobody here would do that, ladies. (laughs) Says that woman, Lord, that you gave me, she gave me and I did eat. So the Lord looks at the woman and says, what have you done? And she said, oh, that serpent, he beguiled me and I did eat. You say, well, why didn't he ask the serpent any questions? I'll tell you why. What did the Lord say about the devil? He was a murderer from the beginning. And he says he's a liar. And when he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own. Remember that? The Lord wasn't going to ask the devil any questions. He already knew he was going to lie about it. Maybe we could take that. Learn a little something for that. He just went ahead and passed judgment over on this bird. And while he was doing it, because the serpent allowed himself to be an instrument for evil, God passed judgment on that serpent. See, this is the first gospel message. I believe if we're going to tell the story of Jesus' rights, we need to start here. We need to remind people why Jesus had to come. And so I see three things in this verse. I see, number one, the promised enmity. Did you see that? He says, I will, this is Christ, and I've been thinking about this. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Did you see that? He said, I will put enmity. Now, enmity means war, bad spirits, conflict as I begin to meditate upon this I thought well I wonder what's he doing with this what would he say and at some point I thought well Jesus says I will put enmity between thee and the woman and I thought well maybe he's talking about himself when he comes that there'd be enmity, or that Christ, and because Christ is coming, because he says through the seed of the woman, we'll get to that here in a minute, that that would be the source of the conflict. And you know what? That would work. That does work. That works. And you could preach it like that. And I believe it would be a little warning to our ladies and to our mothers. And here's why. There's too many mothers that are praying for wayward children. And those children, she's watched as the devil has snatched them out of her home for me to not believe that there is a little something to that. Where he says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. Ladies, you're at war against the devil. And if any mother's ever had any children... And I've seen too many mothers shed too many tears about children that have went astray when they struggled and they strive to try to teach them what's right and they're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm telling you, there's enmity between you and the devil and the devil wants to snatch them. There's enmity there. You know, mothers, if I could say anything, keep praying for your children. Don't stop. Now, this altar up here, this used to be called a mourner's bench. And I actually, while I'm preaching the message, I want some of my men that are carpenters, I want you to build a bench on both sides that goes from that corner. To that corner, right in there. Have you ever noticed this church? There's really no altar up here. Now I don't know why, but it's always bothered me, and this is the time to correct that. It's hard. We can't get too many people. You can kneel down and pray at the steps, but there's no altar here. This altar used to be known in the old days as the mourner's bench. I think we've turned our altars into something, a place where people come to pray if they got a problem. And so people, and the devil uses that, well, I don't want people to think I got a problem. This was always known as the mourner's bench, where mothers would come to pray for their children who had gone astray. Mothers, I think we need to get back on the mourner's bench until we get those built. You can come up and sit on the front pews. We'll turn those into the mourner's bench. And you can sit. If you can't kneel down, then you can sit. Our altars are cold. Our mourner's bench is not being used. But we're still at war with the devil. There's still children going astray. And so the altar or as I'm going to begin to refer to it as the mourner's bench, is not just about getting right, though that can be done. It's a place for you to come to pray for others that God work in their lives. I'm reminded of an illustration, and I must share it. And I heard a preacher, Brian McBride, speak to this. I don't know if he was there in person or if he knew the preacher or the pastor that this happened in that pastor's church. But they were in a revival meeting and he was preaching such like this, even though we're not in revival, but I'm expecting some revival. We need to revive the mourners, bench. We, we need to not be so Calvinistic that we can't come and mourn for others. And they was in this revival and at the end of the service there was an invitation and the two older ladies that were in the church come forward and they begin to weep and they begin to cry. And they stayed there and so the pastor didn't know what to do. He just quietly dismissed and told the people. He says, look, be real quiet, be respectful of these ladies and if you want to talk in fellowship, go out into the foyer and the vestibule to give these ladies some time. They were weeping and they were sobbing. And so the pastor, he went down and he asked them, ladies, and he knew them, they were his members, can I help you? And the one lady says, yes. Preacher, we have wayward sons. Pastor, yeah, I know that we're here at the mourners bench and we're not leaving until god saves them and it so gripped his heart that he says you know what i'm going to stay with you and so as they shut the doors and this was on an evening service they left the doors unlocked but they begin to pray and they begin to weep and they begin to cry and come along about midnight Come the first son. He come into the church. There, he was looking for his mama, cause she never came home, and he knew she would go to church on a Sunday evening. I believe it was. And so he come to the church. He was afraid that maybe she had broken down. He didn't know, but here he come and he come in, and there he seen her sobbing and praying, and she was praying for him. And you know what happened? He got saved that night. At midnight. Well the other lady was still praying. And the other mother said. I'm staying with you. And the pastor said. I'm staying with you. God saved one. And that boy was there. They began to pray. And along come about 3 a.m. The other son come in. Looking for his mom. It's amazing. He knew where they were. She would be. Both of them. What a testimony. And he's seen his mama weeping and shedding tears and crying and pouring her heart out. And he got saved. Ladies, mothers, there is enmity between you and the serpent. And you're going to continue to watch the devil Snatch your children out of your homes, and it would do you some good to get up on the mourner's bench and to pray for your children. That one, if they're not gone yet, that the devil don't get them. Number two, if they are gone, that the devil, that the Lord would bring them back, and the devil wouldn't keep them. I believe if we had more mothers that understood we're in conflict and they're at enmity with this serpent there'd be more prodigal sons return. Now, I'm not suggesting that you stay until they come back. You do what, as you feel, led that the Holy Spirit would have you do. But here's my point. The mourner's bench is always open. Even if we're in a song service and you feel that the Holy Spirit says you need to get up there and pray. I do a lot of praying right in here. The Lord has met with me here. You can meet him here. I'm not saying this is supernatural. I'm not saying that there's, this is the Holy of Holies. But I'm telling you, God's here. And God has spoke to me in my heart more times, either there or right here, or right there than anywhere else. And maybe, just maybe, you can meet with Christ here. At the mourner's bench, I want mourner's benches built. Simple wood, don't have to be fancy, wide enough to sit on or to kneel. And here's why. I want people to know when they come in that we're set up that people can use the altar, people can use the mourner's bench. That's how it used to be. We've turned it into a stage. It's always bothered me we don't have an altar up here. I want it I want it changed. I want a mourner's bench. Even if we got to buy them. Then I see the promised seeds. Not seed, seeds. Look with me in the verse. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. That's two. Now, before I expound this point, I need to go back and actually give you there's another thought on this enmity between the serpent and the woman. The Bible calls the nation of Israel and Revelation 12 a woman. God's chosen people, this Bible, and God says, is a woman. And I believe he's making a reference of prophecy that the devil would do what he could to try to annihilate the nation of Israel. I believe it started when Abraham went into Canaan There was a famine when he showed up. How did that happen? It's the devil trying to starve Abraham out. Satan knew what God had done in the life of Abraham. But then they were down there in Egypt and Pharaoh made a decree to kill all the firstborn, all the boys down there in Egypt. He wanted to wipe out masculinity. I've got a problem today with this world trying to demoralize and wipe out our masculinity. There's something demonic about that. Men need to be men. But then we get the attack at the Red Sea. And then we get the continued persecution by the Gentiles. And even today as we speak, there are groups of people and terrorists and people like Hamas and in Hezbollah, and these other nations, and in, in radical groups, and they want the annihilation of the Jews. Why is that? Because God said there would be war between the devil and the woman. And the Bible calls Israel, the Jews, a woman. So he is talking about that also. But then we see the promise seeds and this is where this story of Jesus starts. He has to come because sin is now in the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men and it entered this world through Adam who is the father of the living. If you're in here this morning, you can trace your lineage all the way back to Adam You and I, somewhere down this family tree, are related. Everybody living is from Adam, except Jesus. When Jesus come, look at it. And I don't mean that angrily. I just mean to look at it with me. And between thy seed and her seed. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Woman don't have a seed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You'd be right on that. Oh, that must be a misprint. No, believe your Bible. He's talking about the virgin birth. A woman don't have seed. A woman can't get pregnant without a man. I don't care what this woke mob says. It can't happen. You see, he was telling of a virgin birth, Jesus' father was God not a man the seed of the woman a redeemer we see the supernatural just as our Lord was the son of man and the son of God in one person so too will the seed of the serpent because he said the serpent's seed and God's seed you know there's another Jesus This world is familiar with this other Jesus. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll show it to you. The Bible is not silent on it. The world right now is being prepared to accept this Jesus. They reject the the Jesus that has already come, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man. They reject that one. 2 Corinthians 11 And verse 4 states, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, oh, they're going to call him this other one, this other seed. And my point is, if the Lord, if the Jesus, was the Son of Man and the Son of God in one person, so too will the seed of the serpent manifest into the man of sin and the son of perdition. And he says, there's another Jesus, and this is the one the devil's pushing. And he says, there's another spirit, and there's another gospel that goes with that one. There's two of them, and he's telling you right here, there's going to be two seeds that come. One will be the seed of the woman. The other will be the seed of Satan, the son of perdition. You know, there's other religions, they got an eschatology also. And that means a Bible that talks about future events. If you was to read the Koran, and they have another book, and its name escapes me right now. I think it's the Sunnah, Sunni, Sunnah, Sunai. When you put those two together, they talk about a Jesus. And they believe that Jesus was not God's Son right now today the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, in that mosque, there's a sign above the door that says, God has no son. But they also believe in a Jesus. And they say, their Koran says, that he's coming back to straighten us Christians out. That Jesus was not God's son. You say, who is that? Jesus is telling us there's another one coming and don't be deceived by him. You see, that Jesus is the Jesus of no repentance. That Jesus is the Jesus of no change. He gives you a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. You say, what is that? That means that Jesus says you'll be religious, but there'll be no substance of God in your life. Oh, I'm a Christian preacher. Yeah, while you're down in a 12-pack. No, no. I'm a Christian preacher, but you hate church. No, you've believed in the other Jesus. That's the Jesus that says you can be religious and you've got a form. You can say uh, that you're a Christian, but there's no substance of God in your life. There's no evidence. Think about it like this. If If we was to turn this into a courtroom this morning, Now I'm going to meddle. I'm going to put the rubber on the road. And I'm going to prosecute you. And I'm going to prosecute the subject on is Jesus in you or not. Could you muster up enough evidence, enough substance to prove objectively that God was in you of a truth? with some of the folks that I know of. Well, you never go to church. The Bible says that you forsake not the assembly. When you trust the right Jesus, you're going to find yourself around the people of Jesus. Oh, yeah. He said, well, I don't like churches. They're hypocrites. Oh, you're with that other Jesus. And so you never come to church. You never tell anybody about Jesus. Uh, You never pass the gospel track out. You won't read your Bible. You won't pray. You won't help out. I've got a pretty good case going on some of you. What evidence, what evidence could you produce because the devil said he would deceive you and give you a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. There'd be no substance. There'd be no new nature in your hearts. Now, I got something to tell you. The Bible says that when a person believes the right Jesus, they're like a babe. And they desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Now, that's something I've learned about a little doodlebug. And I guess my children grew up too fast. But I'm noticing that little booger, she's going to let you know when it's bottle time. And if you don't get to her quick enough, she's going to let you know. She's going to let you know when it's pamper-changing time. And if you don't change it fast enough, you've got a mess on your hand. And by the way, she's only six months. She's six, six months, going on seven. Now she's starting to try to talk and form words. But now she's eating table food. And I've watched her throw the bottle down, milk, and she loves eggs. She loves gravy. She's Pawpaw's little girl. And she can eat some gravy now. She loves mashed taters. She likes sweet potatoes. And there's coming a time soon where she'll want to feed herself. And the Bible says when the new nature is in there, when the substance of the Son of God is living in there, you're like that newborn babe. You ain't missing meal time. (laughs) Matter of fact... (laughs) have something that we call doodlebug withdrawals. Yeah, you grandparents know exactly what I'm talking about. They can frustrate you, wear you out, make you tired. And they're gone two or three hours, and all of a sudden you're looking at pictures crying on your phone. Anybody else in here do that? I'm not the only, yeah, that's right. All right. You might even cry yourself to sleep, shed a few tears, maybe not weep uncontrollably. Do you have grandbaby withdrawals? And that little grandbaby, they light up when they see you, don't they? There's something in there. There's a desire in there. What's up with this crowd that doesn't get excited to be around the people of God, that doesn't get excited to be around the Word of God, that doesn't get excited about wanting to pray for others. What's wrong with that crowd? Well, there's two seeds. I'm the second one's getting ready to hit this hit the earth scene. The world is being prepared right now to worship Satan. They've turned churches into entertainment venues. We got rock and roll concerts. We're not having that here. If that's what you come looking for today, I'm sorry, you're not getting it. As long as I'm pastor, it's not happening. We're going to keep doing and singing the old songs. You say, well, I don't like two songs and, and get up to preach. Then learn how to play the piano. Learn how to participate and get involved in the service i'm tapped out (laughs) i told brother dave last week we seriously need a piano player (laughs) what you see is it, it folks 12 years it's not gotten any better maybe a little worse amen what's wrong with that crowd well they got feelings for the other seed you know, but I see the final point. The promised suffering. Do you see it there? He says there in verse 15, the last part of that, and he says, I'll put enmity between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. Talking about Satan. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Preacher, what's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the sufferings of our Savior foretold. The bruising of the heel was a reference to the death on the cross. You say, oh, I I don't believe that. The word cross don't show up. Yeah, it doesn't to a lost person. Every verse in this Bible, if you meditate on it long enough, you'll find Jesus in it. This Bible's about Jesus. The story of Jesus starts right there. Did you ever stop to think, how was Philip the evangelist able to hear the reading of Isaiah 53? when that Ethiopian eunuch was reading and Philip said, understandest what thou readest? And he says, how can I, lest some man explain it to me? Philip said, I can do that. And the Bible says over there in Acts that he got up in that chariot and he preached unto him Jesus. And here's what he was reading. He says, who hath delivered our reports? and who, To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground he hath no form, no comeliness. And we sh- when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Your Bible is describing how Jesus looked. He didn't look like the Hoffman head. I'm sorry, you've been deceived. But I assure you, if I had to take bets this morning, that's how that other one's going to look. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Our Savior was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You remember that the next time you're having a bad day and there's a lot of sorrow in your life. There's a lot of grief. Our Lord and Savior suffered the same. We hid as it was our face from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. There it is. For our iniquities. Oh, right there in Genesis, the Lord says, I'm going to crush your head. I'm going to bruise your head. You're going to bruise my heel. And here our Bible says later that Christ was bruised, our iniquities. Now that will lead to Christ crushing the head of the serpent. Now what's getting ready to happen, folks, is we're getting ready to get raptured out here. If you're born again, I didn't say if you was Baptist. I said, if you was born again, I don't care what denomination you are, as long as you've been born again. Now, you've heard me say, if you wanna go first class, it'll be Baptist. And I can prove that from the Bible. But I ask if you've been born again. You see, if you've been born again, when that trumpet blows, You're going to get raptured out of here. And that other Jesus is coming on the scene. He's going to have the answers to this world's problems. And that's going to work for about three and a half years. And see, the Muslims know something you don't. Their Jesus comes on the scene through war and chaos. That's why they want holy jihad. That's how their man comes on the scene. See, we have the most information available to us at our fingertips, but yet we're the most ignorant generation. That's why they want endless war. So the more people that are killed, he comes on the scene quicker. Now, that thing's going to fall apart about three and a half years, and then it's all going to come loose, and Christ is going to come back in the second coming, and he's going to crush That Jesus' head. So it's important that we tell the story of Jesus. That we don't fall for the deception of the devil. Now, I believe this story starts there. I know it starts there.